You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. I'm Jen Justice. And today in studio, we have with us the... Uh, Smithville City Alderman serving his second term and another realtor extraordinaire, Dan Hartman. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Eric, and thanks, Jennifer. Looking forward to our conversation today. So um, we, we Mayor Damian Boley, who uh, is still the mayor in Smithville, was here uh, just a little over two years ago. And was it that long ago? Yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah, September, oh, two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Had to go look it up, right? The time flies when you're having a blast. It does. But, but wow. um, uh, and so uh, first, before we kind of dive into real estate, or at least real estate outside of Smithville, uh, I kind of wanted to dive in, pick your brain about, you know, it's been two years. What's going on in Smithville? Oh, absolutely. So um, a lot is happening in Smithville. So my wife and I have uh, been in Smithville a little over 20 years. And we decided to jump into uh, public service. So I ran uh, in April of 2021, which I believe you you alluded to. The mayor spoke in September of 2021. And at that time, it was a two-year term. So uh, one of the uh, things that I wanted to bring to the table um, was the fact that two years is just really not long enough. You spend those first couple years trying to get your, your arms around everything and understand um, what it's like to serve as an elected official. So we brought to the table um, four-year terms. The aldermen uh, agreed to let the voters decide. So in November of last year, uh, the voters overwhelmingly decided to uh, vote uh, not only the mayor from their two-year term to four-year, but the aldermen for a uh, two- to four-year term. You know, organizationally, uh, I see this too. This is, I think, a challenge we have with some of our realtor organizations is, is that we're rotating out um, some leadership positions on an annual basis. And some of these projects are just way too big to, to envision, plan, implement, right. And, 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 uh, you know, track in, in a year. And so they end up, you know, you end up kind of in a position of leadership, figuring out how to do the next stage of somebody else's sort of, you know, initiative. So I think that's really smart. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it's really, it gives, the opportunity to save the city a little bit of money too. Um, not a lot of people realize, but our city clerk having elections every year uh, when we had a two-year term, I was, um, there was three of the six aldermen were, were up that year and in the next year. So that was always repeated. And so it's, it's uh, hopefully we'll save our, our city clerk and our city some money um, in the long range that we can use towards other things. I see it from both sides, right? I see it from the citizen's perspective. A lot of times we feel like electeds are in office and gosh darn it they're in there too long and and yada 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 but the truth of the matter is if you look at your electeds and you look at how much energy and effort it takes to campaign they're not able to adequately serve in my opinion when you're campaigning it's really really difficult because you're everywhere and it 
it expends a lot of mental energy, especially in the political environment that we're in these days. So when we have the allowance to have our people have a little bit more stability, save costs, and not be in office too long, let's make them run for their well, seats every term four years. For, right? right. Yeah. When we look at things like that, it's really good to have that longer term to get, like you said, the education, Dan, that you need, because there is a tremendous learning curve in political service. There just is. It's, it's, Right. It's I, astoundingly crazy. I have I have some questions for Dan along those lines later. So Yeah, but it's just one of those things, right? So when people think about that, they're like, oh, well, we need elections every two years or whatever. Obviously, even the citizens of Smithville understood what a disruption it was to our growth as a town when we had so much rotation, change, cost from elections, et cetera, that it made sense to vote and approve this. Yeah, why? Well, and I suspect. So, Dan, why don't you clue us in on some of the things that the city has done in the last couple of years? And I suspect what we're going to find is is that a lot of these projects have been taking years and years and years to get to fruition or aren't to fruition yet. So what do you have going on? So one of the things that we do as a board of aldermen or a governing body is we get together once a year, generally after the elections, and, uh, you know, kind of a goal-setting retreat. But this last year, we, we got together and really did a financial retreat. We wanted to not only look at what we need to do today, but what we need to do in the next five years and 10 years and so forth. There you have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's really important uh, because the, the, the city staff wants to hear from the elected officials what's on their mind. They also want to communicate what projects are in front of us. So we, we have a, a tremendous momentum going on in the city. You know, uh, looking for uh, we just passed our 2024 budget. To give you an idea, uh, we've got uh, projected over $23 million in revenues, but we have over $30 million in expenditures. And we're playing catch-up from previous years where um, I believe we just couldn't address some of the things that people don't understand from, from a public, uh, you, you know, service perspective in the sense of water, sewer, uh, street improvements. And so um, for, for Smithfield to have over $30 million in expenditures next year, it's, it's incredible. Streets and sidewalks don't sound all that sexy, right? That's what happens. Yeah, neither does sewer, but it, it, it's something but that we all... But infrastructure is oh, yeah. so important to a city, whether it's Smithville, Kansas City, Gladstone, River, you name it. Yeah. Our infrastructure is aging in this area. And when was Smithville founded? I can't remember that off the top of my head, Dan. You, you might have that. Uh, yeah, late 1800s, um, so I don't have it exactly. And we have had to go back and renovate so much right. of mm -hmm. our Kansas old going through infrastructure, that. right? And this costs a lot of dollars. Hell, I yeah. think even Olathe is even going through that right now. Yeah. Parts of Johnson County, certainly Wondot County. You know, parts of the city, we think of, you know, the older parts, Westport and whatnot, but... But, uh, yeah, it's not like anything around here is brand spanking new. No, so, we're not yeah. a brand new town anywhere you look at it, and there's real cost involved with that. And it's not sexy to your average voter to talk about how much it costs to renovate our sewers, sidewalks, streets, et cetera. But we have grown tremendously in this area, and with that growth comes growing pains that we really have to look at and address. So thank you for looking at that for Smithville. Obviously, it benefits me being in the community, but for anybody that wants to come and visit the lakes, hiking trails, equestrian trails, bike trails, you name it, we've got all of these amazing they, you things. You mean they want to drive there and use the bathroom? Yes, <laughs> and have soap in the bathrooms. That was my biggest pet peeve <laughs> in Clay County is that we did not have soap in our bathrooms at the campgrounds. It Why do I have a feeling you got me. that 
fixed. I did get it fixed. <laughs> soap is a safety. Ha- I mean, come on. It's rudimentary to have soap in a bathroom, is it not? Like- so, yeah, one of the things that Jen, so it was 1868. I look back. I had it Thank in my you. notes. Sorry but about that. Yeah, the, the, the population increase um, from really 2000 w- uh, uh, to now is uh, 2000. We had 5,587 people. So we had a 93% increase to today. We're sitting uh, just at 11,000. And really, if you look at... Um, so you, you essentially have doubled in 20 years. We have, years. yeah, 93% increase. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So that's, to Jen's, uh, Jennifer's point, um, you know, for, for the increase in, in uh, the folks moving there, um, and, and people don't realize, too, I know you touched on this when Mayor Boley was here, we're, we're 16.25 square miles surrounded by 7,000-acre lake. Um, so we're not that um, long north to south or wide east to west, but uh, so we really um, just had some tremendous opportunity and, and momentum here. Well, and Damien's really good at figuring out grants, and his mind is just, uh, it, it's amazing to me because I don't even know all of the stuff that he gets into, talks about, and helps with. And, you know, I try and pull from the NAR grant side and stuff like that. They're peanuts compared to what we can do federally, quite frankly. I mean, they just are. And and they're available, but a lot of those are like matching dollars and this. And so how we have to finagle everything and, and do that to get these matching dollars. It, it just takes a lot, and it takes everybody on the team. And it takes somebody like Dan to go out and really get educated on the subject. And so I, th- I think right. I mean, people yeah. don't realize how much work Dan does behind the scenes. Who- and other aldermen as well to really understand how we can best benefit the community, how we can bring these dollars in, how we can efficiently manage our budget and the dollars that we have coming in. It takes a lot. And, and honestly, not every elected official does it. So thank you for doing that. Right. Who knows how to write a grant? Who's listening that knows how to write a grant? Oh, there's a few people. You know, I, I guess I should clarify a couple of things real quick, um, because if it isn't obvious, uh, because we have two Smithville advocates in the room, that Jen also lives in the Smithville area. I'm in the county, to be fair. Yeah. I cannot run for anything, to be very, very clear. <laughs> And I can be appointed to some boards, I think, right. is the extent of that. But also the thing to, to note is for the people who don't actually know exactly where Smithville is or they've heard of it or maybe never been up to Smithville, and I say up because it is north. So if you get on 169 coming out of uh, downtown or wherever. Uh, if you can get on 169. Yeah, well, you can right now, actually. If you can actually. get across the river or if you <laughs> yeah, live south. You might have to go across the Bond Bridge but, depending on what the, what the situation but is. If but you, if you shoot straight up, it is about the same time, maybe just a couple of minutes more that it would take you to get to the airport. Uh, it's straight up 169. And, uh, you know, I also, I live in Kansas City, uh, but I live in the north part of Kansas City. And uh, I was always, uh, when I, whenever I come to Smithville for a variety of reasons, uh, it, it's always shocking to me, like, oh yeah, okay, well, I just left, you know, the last part of what's developed in Kansas City. And then like four and a half minutes later, it's like, you've, you've made it to Smithville. Slow your car down, right? Because the speed limit changes. So it's really close, but there is, right, the, the biggest uh, I don't, well, I think it's the biggest draw. You'd have to tell me. Um, but I assume the biggest draw is the lake. No, absolutely. Smithville yeah, the, Lake. Is it actually the biggest draw or is it just an asset that the community has? I, I, I think it, it, it it's both, Jennifer. I think it is a, a draw, but it is an asset that the community has. And, and most people don't understand or, or realize that the Smithville Lake is actually run by the Army Corps of Engineers. And the city has a great relationship with them. We lease land for the campground and parks and um, Clay County as a whole also uh, has a big, big part of that in, in uh, managing that. 
So that that includes. The, do you know anybody? I didn't pre up. I didn't look at this. I think we, I'd had it when we were talking to uh, Mayor Boley two years ago. How big is the lake? Do we know? Well, it's it's over seven thousand acres. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. This is not. It goes a, all the way up north of W to the non-ski land. Yeah. <laughs> as I remember growing up as a kid, you cannot ski north of W. It is not allowed. It is. Primary, and you don't really want to. You're going to hit a stump. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to die skiing, but, so but that's a bad skiing, thing. skiing, boating, sailing, fishing. fishing. Yeah. Uh, you... Paddleboarding. There's a there's an outfitters up there that rents kayaks, does paddleboards. Hey, all does of this anybody kind of thing. scuba up there? I, I the, believe there there the is. The water's pretty murky. It though. is murky. I think usually like when they rock. do, it's it's usually to to find a boat that maybe. Um, uh, unfortunately, sank or or they need to identify something. Not but, like an avid scuba area yeah, okay. because of yeah. the clarity it just of the water. To me, right? Off the yeah. cuff, though. So no, but yeah, there's so hunting ground up there, equestrian trails, bike trails, walking trails. Yeah, equestrian trails. I yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And we have some of the best equestrian trails actually in the, the, the greater area here and, and potentially in the state. There's some really good ones down in so, the Eminence, but you got to drive five <laughs> hours away. Yeah. Sorry, I digress. Start talking about horses, Jen. Will yeah, go that's right. right. Down we got We got to cut Jen off. But yeah, so here we are. Dan, we're asking you about what's going on in Smithville, and we're doing all the talking. So tell us uh, a little bit more about like maybe what the city's got going or what it's got planned. Sure. So absolutely. We have a um, on the ballot here coming up in November, we have a public safety sales tax, and we feel like this is a big part of managing the growth is – um, right, you know, right now of this, um, I mentioned the twenty-three um, million dollar budget. Uh, the police department is it has over two and a half million going into this next year. We support a little over twenty officers, and we, we have a, a well-run um, police department. There's no doubt about it. But we really need to reach out to the community to get some support for that. So this public safety sales tax is is uh, a half cent sales tax that we're asking the voters to consider that would um, uh, help us and the tune of about six hundred thousand a year. Um, this is by no means going to pay for the entire budget, but it'll take some pressure off our general fund. And then we also, uh, along that line of public safety, um, are uh, we'll be having a work session coming up here in November, December, to talk about. Um, actually building a new police station. So going out to the voters, uh, likely in April, uh, to ask for a, a levy or a bond. Um, most people don't understand that, that a city is, is rated each year on their credit rating. So every year, Smithville has a credit rating, just like um, uh, other cities, and, and that establishes kind of your borrowing capacity for that city. But what People also don't understand is you have to have a way to pay for that. So uh, we would have to go out to the voters and ask for that. But we believe that that folks will understand that we have a need for a police station. Right now, they're in, in City Hall. It's about 2,700 square feet, and they've it's tight. 20 people and 2,700 square feet. 20 plus people, actually. 20 plus people. So the other piece of that is animal, animal controls. So um, not only the public sales safety tax, but uh, the, the potential to go out and ask for this. And we think it's going to run at least projections here a couple years ago were 16 million. We, we feel it's going to be over 18 million with the increase. But absolutely important to have uh, a strong police department just as much as a strong school district, right? I mean, we've got to have that and we've got to put our, our, um, our resources behind our, our, our public um, uh, servants, our, our police officers, because uh, that includes pay, too. We really got to address that in the future. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, as you know, anybody listening to the podcast, we're big blue supporters here. 
uh, and uh, we we you know it, it's a tough it's a tough job that only got tougher during the pandemic and afterwards. And so, yeah, just like anything, just like we talk about, there's not the greatest realtors. You can argue about sometimes the cops aren't the greatest cops, but you know, it is, I just so admire anybody who does it. And the last thing that any municipality wants, be it Kansas City or Roland Park or Shawnee or Smithville or Parkville, it doesn't matter. You don't want to lose good cops because you can't afford to pay them and they're, they, they need to leave to support their families better and everything. Can't blame anybody for that. So I think anybody looking at should we increase salaries for our officers, the answer is, is generally yes. They're, they're, you know, I, they get a bad rap, but let me tell you, you, you talk about people who should make a million dollars a year and you throw teachers and firemen and cops into all of that as far as I'm concerned. You know, so. it was really interesting. I visited the law enforcement memorial and went to the national uh, law officers. We lost the officer in North Kansas City, Daniel Vasquez, last year, so I went again. And one of the things that got stated there that really has stuck with me is this is not a free country without law enforcement. Mm. That's exactly right. Yes. And yeah. if you think about that for just a second, I, I completely agree. I know all facets of police officers. My husband's a police officer. If you listen, you know that. Um, you're right. Every industry has its bad apples. It just does. And that has become microscoped uh COVID, post-COVID for police officers and some unfortunate things have ensued. But and, and the bad ones are getting slashed as well they should be. Yeah, and unfortunately yeah. the good ones too now, though. But yeah, well, they're running away because it's a tough environment. Right. Yeah. But when you really think about what kind of country you have with no law enforcement, are you then free? That's a, that's well, a valid point. And, we we yeah. certainly have digressed, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are talking about law enforcement philosophies We are solving the world's nationwide. problems today here on Get Real KC with Alderman <laughs> Hartman and Eric Jurgensen and myself. We are solving the world's problems, friends. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dial us back to Smithville. Yeah. Dan, you're welcome. <laughs> so it's deep today. These are some great initiatives, I yeah. think. Um, uh, so... When somebody's considering, hey, you know, is Smithville a good place for me to live? These are great things that this city is doing. Uh, tell us about, um, if you can, a little bit the the state of housing in Smithville right now. Sure. So um, I think that we have done a really good job of taking existing lots and infill. I mean, we've had a tremendous focus on that. And that's that's getting to a point where we need some new development. And I believe there's some developers and, and, and realtors uh, uh, working on that, builders working on that. Um, okay, so let's let's tell everybody what infill means. Right. So it's taking existing lots um, or areas uh, and and uh, either dividing those out into smaller lots or maybe they're already smaller lots and building. Um, so we've done that up in uh, uh, Rollins Landing up near the golf course. That's that's completed. There's several little areas throughout the downtown city that they're they're kind of filling it in so, so lands that have been plotted as housing correct Residential, generally yeah. subdivisions sometimes you'll drive by and you'll go hey there's an empty lot there i wonder what's going on and uh it's it's saying hey let's get those built up right since that's already plot it's already got services etc it doesn't require a developer necessarily to come in and do massive development that's what an infill would be right right so, and then you were talking about you're looking at new development, though. That's that's exactly right. So we had a a, a lot of agriculture land 
in the past that just sat with with owners that go way back in in, in the history of Smithville, and so those are now uh, being turned over, and and uh, that land is being identified. What's the highest and best use? So not only residential but multifamily, and we've probably seen. Um, an increase of, of, of that uh, focus the last just two to three years, really buying that land, acquiring that land, working with the engineers, surveying that land, and then and running it through planning and zoning to make sure that uh, we have the highest and best use. And it matches our comprehensive plan as well that the city set out in 2019. So absolutely fantastic. And then you mentioned earlier, uh, again, just for uh, potential uh, people that might want to consider Smithville as a place to live, you mentioned schools. Yes. Huge, important thing as people consider where to move because, you know, a lot of people uh, have children. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the school district. What's yeah, going so on? It, it's, it's an extremely strong school district. Our boys, our three boys went through the system from from kindergarten all the way graduated. Um, it's, it, it's something that is so important in selling real estate is people ask about the schools. And of course we can't necessarily give an opinion, but we can give, uh, a share experience. Well, but I'm folks. asking you as an alderman, right, not as a right. realtor. Well, no, no, no. In facts, you know, we put it out there yeah. and Smithville is generally still doing pretty well as far as all of that's concerned. And so. They they passed a uh, was it a bond levy issue last year? They did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, no, as an alderman, Eric, um, I believe we we have a good working relationship. We've recently um, uh, the school board uh, voted in a new superintendent, Dr. Mark Moss, who um, is uh, grew up in Smithville and went to Smithville and graduated, and uh, we're we're lucky to have him. I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, the board of education is is also doing a real good job. I think they're aware of uh in 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 connecting with us as as a governing body to make sure we're leaning into each other to to drive the growth forward there's no doubt that communication makes things more fluid and the the one thing i can say in smithville is we try to have all the communications they try and be very transparent and i i feel they are very transparent in all of their dealings uh, whether it's with the school or otherwise so i think that really helps the community you don't see that in every community i can tell you jumping around from D.C. to Clay County to Overland Park to Mission, uh, digging into things in Kansas City, and it's just not the same across the board. So I really admire our community for that. Sure. And let me uh, just clarify something for everyone. So I said I was asking Dan as an alderman and not a realtor. Realtors uh, have a hard time presenting anything other than facts. And honestly, I don't even do that. I send people to websites where they mm -hmm. can get their own facts because it's been deemed that uh, frequently when people are discussing uh, school districts, it lends or leans into or becomes uh, a de facto discussion on diversity and race. And so we're not as, as realtors, meaning that we've joined the NAR, uh, we're not allowed to do that, right? It's 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 an ethical violation. So that's why your realtor probably shouldn't be telling you, oh, yeah, it's a great school district, because then they could po potentially get in trouble. So um, you uh, – so uh, Dan, of course, you know, we met uh, – I don't know. It's been like three years now, mm -hmm. about three years ago. You and I did. Of course, you and Jen have known each other for much longer. Uh, we met actually at a Missouri Realtors uh, conference, one of the business conferences, and I have to tell all of our listeners that, that Dan is one of the nicest human beings I know. Uh, he was so friendly and nice to me, and not, you know, I don't think realtors typically are mean to each other, but I mean, they don't necessarily go out of their way. I was still pretty new 
at doing this and uh, was still very much in the throes of my basic education. And uh, just you radiate such this ridiculously positive attitude. So I took the uh, WWJD, right, and I just put in your initial. So what would Dan do so I can step up to figuring (laughs) out what the big guy would do? And uh, uh, what I think amazes me, and you and I have talked about it a couple of times before, is you're just a regular Joe, right? You're just you're just the normal guy who's a realtor, who's successful, et cetera, a great realtor, by the way. And and then you decide to get into politics. And so that's a whole different world. And Jen alluded to it a little bit about the learning curve, but just not that, right? Just the most Americans, I believe, as a matter of fact, I just saw a statistic uh, on one of the major news outlets that like 65% of Americans are just disenfranchised with politics in general. Now, I'm sure they're talking about much more at a national level. But peel the curtain back for us a little bit. What's it like to actually get in there and do this weird stuff? No, that's a that's a, a fair fair question. Um, and so, you're too nice to be a politician. Yeah. <laughs> so I was. It wasn't even on my radar. Getting involved in the city, um, and the and the mayor, I, I think, would share this when he was first elected. Um, I I, did, I supported the uh, the the previous mayor, but I also, when he was elected, reached out about 20 minutes later afterwards and messaged him and said, "Hey, listen, um, congratulations! I want to get involved. How can I get involved?" And so um, he, he, he encouraged uh, me, like he does many others, is to apply for uh, committee seats. Um, you know, in the past, it was, uh, it was based on a mayor's appointment, and he really changed that to make sure we have an application or resume, and that not only the chair of that committee seat, but the alderman representative for that seat and a city um, uh, staff sits in on the interview process. So that's kind of how I first got involved. And then <clears throat> uh, Melissa Wilson at the time was wanting to kind of step back. Uh, she was an alderman um, in Ward 1 where I'm at. So um, it, it's it's really, the, the, the to, to answer that is to stay up to date on all the issues locally. That's number one as, as an alderman. Two is just constant communication with our city administrator and mayor. Um, I, I think anyone can call at any time the mayor or city staff, but the relationship, the business and working relationship I've d- established with the mayor and the city administrator is, is, is tremendous. You know, listening to, to the voters in the ward and then, um, you know, just lead, uh, lead from the bow of the ship and not the engine room. You know, recently went through a strategic leadership course with uh, uh, other mayors, uh, aldermen, city council in the greater Kansas City area. And I think it's important that that we stay on the bow and and, and look at the direction of the city moving forward and 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 staying out of the engine room because if we jump in the engine room and try to do the job of the staff, it's just it doesn't go well. Well, and service is in Dan's blood because he, we didn't announce yeah, this when he I was started. Thinking that but too. He he's a former military man, mm-hmm. and uh, if you go on his Facebook page, you'll have to go back a little ways. But when he was running his campaign for alderman, he decided that it was a part of that campaign to share his stories. And you went into some very detailed stories. You're an amazing storyteller. Yeah. That's one skill I do not possess unless I'm just talking, because my writing is not near as articulate as yours. And those stories were just fascinating. So um, so you have a 
heart of service. Just for our listeners, right? What branch? How long did you serve? Where did you serve? Sure. So um, I, out of high school, didn't uh, really want to go to college at that particular moment. So I joined the U.S. Navy and uh, went to basic training in San Diego. Um, they no longer do basic training in San Diego, but at the time I did. And um, then went to um, what we call A school, which is basically just your your job rating. And at that time, I was a, a yeoman or administrative and computer support. Um, based on the, per, the, the performance in A school, um, the, I got to choose my duty station. So I chose uh, United States Antarctic Program. It was stationed out of Port Wainimi, uh, uh, California, um, near Oxnard and Ventura. Um, and I was I was uh, part of that for for almost four years, uh, deployed to the bottom of the world at least three different times, and just had a tremendous experience. Uh, it really enlarged. I grew up in Nebraska, so I didn't know much more than just Nebraska or going on vacation with family. So it, it was the uh, uh, melting pot of the world, if you will, and had the opportunity to meet some tremendous people from all over the world and serve with them. So I served from 1990 to 1994. In the, in the Navy and, and uh, uh, decided at that point it was time to jump into the real world. So, so excellent. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And I've also heard some of the, the, the bottom of the world stories. <laughs> and uh, so that, that's fantastic. Thank you for your service, of course. You're welcome. So, Thank you. Um, so what is it about, like, uh, just to kind of finish up the theme, because, you know, everybody's looking for this. What is the... Um, well, this would be an easy way to do it. You have you have been elected to your second term, as you pointed out. It's a four-year term and not a two-year term, and uh, I paid attention a little bit, even though I'm not from the area, mainly because I know you. Uh, it wasn't the 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 funnest of campaigns, I don't think. Uh, there was some campaign nastiness, not from you, that uh, was going on. Peel back a little bit for us what that's like to sort of be. You know, because you're now in the public eye and people who disagree with you that um, may or may not be educated on what they actually disagree about. They they sling mud pretty hard. And this was the part that blew my mind. Like you're this super nice guy. Why are you getting into the mud ring sometimes? So what's that like? How does that how do you deal with that? Well, so traditionally in a campaign, you're going to um, have an opponent that that is going to maybe not agree with your your stances. And I, I think. Overall, my my family support, my friends, those close to me. Um, it was really remembering that you know we need to treat everyone with dignity and respect um, because of who I am as a leader, not because of um, uh, how they they see me or treat me. And I just tried to remember that um, there were certainly some times that I was like, why am I doing this? Uh, because they're uh, you know, can can your opponent can sometimes uh, point out some things that may have gone well for you or may not have gone as well for you, but you just have to remember that um, this is uh, public service, and those who I serve um, are 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 going to give me good and and not so good feedback, and so I just need to be open to that and. Um, it was best. It was best described to me by my um, life coach uh, back when I was going through. He says you have to have a skin of an elephant and the heart of a missionary, and that was just really impactful because it, you you can't do this if you take everything personal and make decisions based on those emotional responses internally that 
you may have. Right. Yeah, there you go. There's the nice guy I was talking about. There's no way I could do this. I'll never run for office. Hey, never say never. All right. (laughs) There there is. I find it unlikely (laughs) that I would ever run for office because uh, I just I don't think I could do it. I just uh, I would react in the moment at times, uh, you know. But uh, and at the end of the day, I think probably some of our listeners are wondering, we've had some electeds on here and we're very involved in that arena. And the thing that was said to me uh, quite some time ago is uh, if you are not at the table, you are on the menu. And so real estate (laughs) as a whole has kind of been on the menu. Mm -hmm. It is our goal to educate our consumers, our community, and other people as to why homeownership is still the American dream and why it is the number one wealth builder of individuals and why we want to continue that and educate and ignite others as Tracy Casper, our NAR president, wants us to do in the coming years, and there'll be more to come about that. But we really have a passion for that because we want this for everyone in this real estate arena. And so through our political methods, through our uh, advocates, our aldermen, our city councilmen, that is why we do it is because we love what we do and we love real estate yeah so. no it's an important i mean we you don't all... realize it until you get into it is, <laughs> is that right. fair to say oh, and yeah. i can't unknow you guys have, what i know you guys and continually of... make me care and it drives me crazy i've always cared about real estate and people and making sure that they got the best they could possibly but get. wait there's now, a political side yeah you make me care about the politics and it drives me nuts so <laughs> and so that's why we spend some time trying to educate everyone about it and that's why we're so passionate about it so a little bit about the why uh, just so everyone knows because i'm always interested in the why but what well, let's let's do turn this now strictly to real estate not necessarily smithville you know we constantly tell you guys that you know when you're out there vetting realtors uh it's important that you get a great one obviously uh you know we think that you should call jen or i but then you know we started realizing we weren't having other great realtors on the podcast it was pretty easy we had andrea sheridan on not too long ago and of course now with dan being an alderman an easy connection but you're also a great realtor so let's start out by your impressions because they just heard you know two weeks ago or 15 days ago from jen and i about what our impressions are of the market What's your impressions of what's going on in the market and real estate in general, you know, particularly in Kansas City Metro, but just in general? So the market continues to reflect the current interest rate environment. You know, I've always said that there's a, a psychological piece to this current market. The 25-year average is obviously 8%, so there shouldn't be a big difference. But the biggest difference today, I think, is the the, the, the price of the homes. They've really increased exponentially over the past five years. And so um, I was I was reading something recently in the Wall Street Journal that um, reflected that if it would 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 have kept up with inflation and everything, it would have been a lot less. But just the prices of homes. So I think it's our job to uh, make sure that we're continually educating people that this is the this is where we're at. Yes, you had two and a half, three percent rate, right? Majority of yeah, we have the a whole generation yeah. that thinks that seven and eight percent is the end of the world. Correct. And we've all, since we're all a little bit older, we've all lived through, you know, 15%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, watching my parents grow up at 14 and 16%. Yeah. I just couldn't fathom that. So, um, I think it's just uh, continuing to educate um, through this podcast, through our day to day conversations, that it's going to be all right. Yes, uh, we're all experiencing uh, these inflationary times. But it's important to keep it in perspective that that the real estate is still the greatest 
um, avenue there to build wealth over a long period of time. Absolutely. Um, any thoughts on uh, how the uh, the market has shifted um, in uh, in terms of you know when I mean, we talk about inventory and those kinds of things? Just and, and it's okay to make that Smithville specific. Sure. So I, I, again, I think it's uh, um, back. If you look at historically what happened through two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and nine, um, the builders took took a uh, slacking. <laughs> they really took took it hard, and so we've just never caught up for that. You know, I I've heard somewhere in the tunes of of, of four and a half to five million homes nationally, but if you translate that to Kansas City. I think Real Reuter, who was a guest a while back ago, shared mm-hmm. that you know we need roughly nine ninety five hundred homes in Kansas City to keep up with the continued growth, and we're we're building four thousand four thousand five hundred homes. So I, I think it's going to take um, several methodologies in order to figure out how to help homeowner or help individuals become homeowners. It's not going to be just one thing. I don't think we're going to ever arrive to just building more homes is the answer. There's got to be uh, looking at development and zoning ordinances, looking at ADUs. I mean, so um, I, we're doing that in our city. We're doing that as, as our planning and zoning department. I think um, we've got a good perspective on that. I, I believe the, the governing body for the most part, understands that. Um, one of the neat opportunities I have as an elected official is I get to share that with our, our city staff in kind of where we're at statistically, not just in, in Kansas City, but Clay County and then drilling it down into Smithville. Right, yeah, and and we, uh, heck, we were just at a, at a chamber luncheon uh, last week that was talking about uh, uh, new construction, and, and it came up that, yeah, I mean, you've, when you ask a builder to build something or a builder wants to build something, first thing I have to do is make it profitable, right? And that's fair. We all don't want to go into business to lose money. But, um, you know, we the barriers to that uh, are um, more complex than most people understand. And one of those barriers is uh, city ordinances, right? So uh, what, what standard of code they're following, what frontage they require, all of those things. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good to. This is kind of what Jen was alluding to, also, right? Which is why we need you know to get a seat at the table to make sure that at least these things are being considered. So that's fantastic. I've got another question for you. Jen doesn't even know I'm going to ask this. I prepped you, but I was thinking to myself as we knew we were going to have you on is is that um, as we have great realtors on, we should get their opinions on things that Jen and I share on a regular basis, but unfettered, right? Not well, I don't know what your answer here is going to be, but uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was. Um, what is your advice for someone who is uh, choosing a realtor, right? So w- what's your advice there? What, what, how should they vet them? So I think in choosing a realtor, it's important to interview them and get to know each other. You know, oftentimes um, we have five minutes to talk. Sometimes we have 30 minutes to talk, but it's to be genuine. But also make sure that you, you, as realtors, we're asking, are we a good fit for our client? And the client should be asking that same thing. Is it a good fit for me in the season of life they're in, right? Because we, we, we encounter um, just about everything in the day-to-day real estate world. And then I think it's making the decision, um, asking how that, that individual communicates, that realtor communicates. And I think it's important to meet that person 
for for the generation that uh, is is maybe older, they may like in person or uh, hard signatures or signatures in person. They may not necessarily know how to work text messages or phone calls. So I think it's just important for the the, the client to make sure they feel very comfortable. The communication style matches them. And and um, obviously feeling good on both sides, right? I, I I think it's it's unfortunate if if a realtor feels like they've they've done a good job, but the the individual client maybe feels that they haven't, and so that's just making sure that um, it goes both ways. Yeah, and by the way, when you look at generational studies, the younger generation really enjoys face-to-face communication as well. Mm-hmm. So they're or Zoom, I've seen that, and they well, almost consider that face-to-face yeah, now, which is still. Yeah. It's not quite face to face to me. I want to call it like belly to belly, but the younger generation is like, and a Zoom face to face would be fine as well. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, like, at least I'm happy get, with whatever you want, but I get, feel like I really like to meet people. You get face, you get facial expressions, you get a you little, do, yeah, but I, so that helps. I can't shake your hand on Zoom. That's true. That's true. That's true but uh, all right, so I love you no matter what, friends and family and <laughs> clients and consumers. So. Down to our final question. We ask everybody on the podcast this, and uh, and I suspect you had to sift through many, but what's the craziest thing that you've had or seen or been part of in real estate? So, un- unfortunately, um, you know, obviously I had, I had a, a seller that liked um, to smoke. <laughs> Um, it wasn't necessarily cigarettes, and so that's legal in Missouri now. <laughs> it we is can legal. talk about it. Maybe not when this happened, but yeah. So um, he enjoyed uh, smoking. So he felt like right before a particular showing, he was still living in the house as most most folks do. Um, that it was it, it, he needed to have um, a, a smoke, and um, as he drink a little drink, <laughs> as he uh, was exiting, he didn't really realize the smell uh, might have an impact on on folks walking in, and and he also forgot to turn off some loud music. So it was um, definitely an interesting conversation with the buyer's agent afterwards to say, hey, could you remind your seller maybe not to smoke right before a showing and, and maybe turn, turn the music, music off or well, off? Well, he was on a rush to go get something to eat. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, how do you blame a guy? So that's hilarious. That's just hilarious. on a rush to get something. Hey, when, when you got the munchies, you know. You was just, it close you know. to the Sonic, Dan? Hey, it was, well, fairly close. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or now we have a Taco Bell. I think yes. isn't that the preferred choice of the munchies? Too? I I don't know. I don't happen to partake. So. I don't know either. That's why I'm asking. But I've always heard about the Taco Bell being the the uh, epitome of your your friendly dopers. I just I just remember munchies. back in college there were like guys that could out eat me some nights, and I'm a pretty big guy with a healthy <laughs> appetite. So. Uh, Oh, that's been absolutely wonderful, Dan. So, um, and and both for and maybe it's the same contact information, but both if somebody wants to contact you as a representative of Smithville, right. uh, how would they do that? And then also, uh, if somebody wants to contact you as a realtor, because for some reason Jen and I don't click with them, uh, although we'd be perfectly happy if they uh, found you as well. So, why don't you uh, share some contact information? Sure. For so from the city of, of Smithville's perspective, our our emails on there, but it's uh, dhartman at smithfieldmo.com. Gov. How do you spell Hartman? H A R T M A N. Right. Well, I mean, you could do two N's. Or you could. Yeah, so, yeah. but it, yeah, it's D Hartman 
at uh, smithfieldmo.gov. <clears throat> and then um, my cell phone is the same for my business as it is for a constituent or voter to reach out to me at 816-419-8773. Okay. And then uh, do you keep a separate email for real estate? I do estate? keep a separate email for real estate. That's very that? important. So that is dan, D-A-N, at hreteam.com. So hreteam.com. Yeah. Excellent. Dan, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us. It's been uh, fun as always. You're positive and glowing as always. Drives me crazy. No, I'm teasing. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. It's just another great episode from Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com, where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.